0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Beyond the Veil. This is our second episode, and I am so excited to share it with all of you. Before we get started, I wanted to share a little bit about this podcast for anybody who may be tuning in for the first time. Here at Beyond the Veil, we love Harry Potter, as you might have guessed, and you probably do, too, if you're listening to this. We love Harry Potter, and we really love hearing people's stories about how Harry Potter has affected their lives. We know that Harry Potter is a lot more than just a series of seven books, eight movies. Many people have had their lives drastically changed by the Potter books, the movies, the music, anything from the Potter series, really. Hearing the stories of how people have changed their lives using lessons from the Potter series, or how reading the books helped them get through a really hard time in their lives. That's what this podcast is all about. We love hearing people's stories. If you have a story about Potter you'd like to share with us, we would love to hear it, and we will have information at the end of the episode on how you can do that. Right now, we're going to dive into an interview with Emily Garrison. Now, this interview with Emily is really special to me because Emily is actually one of my dearest and closest friends. We've known each other since grade school, all the way back into childhood. But in this conversation, I learned so much more about her and her Potter journey. So if you're a first time listener, we are so happy to have you. And if you've been with us before, welcome back. Without further ado, let's dive right in. Welcome to Beyond the Veil, and today we have the wonderful Emily
1: Garrison as our guest. Hi, Emily. Hello, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing awesome. I cannot wait to talk about all things Harry Potter.
0: Great. Oh, very excited myself. Um, So let's get started, and how about you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, I am a special effects makeup artist in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I specialize in trauma makeup, um, so I go to hospitals actually and simulate makeup for doctors who are still in school. So it's a really fun job.
0: Wow, that sounds like intense.
1: It is. It's super intense. Um, we get uh, our models are EMT. Like fire, rescue, all those guys, and uh, it's our job to make them up. and so all of our packets are really detailed. Um, you know, we'll have like car accident simulations and stuff. It's very intense. We have about an hour and a half to get through eight people. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun though. It's really nice.
0: So tell me a little bit about um, like your your Hogwarts house, any Harry Potter information about yourself you'd like to share.
1: For sure. I am a proud Ravenclaw. Um, Woohoo! Yay! I feel like I'm the missing link between Gilderoy Lockhart and uh, Luna Lovegood. I'm kind of, I have both of those qualities where... Oh
0: my gosh, that's (laughs) the most amazing thing I've ever heard. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do. I like, there are some parts of Gilderoy Lockhart that I'm like, oh man, I really identify with that. (laughs) um, but the same with Luna Lovegood. I think she's quirky and she's awesome. Um, her relationship with her dad reminds me a lot of actually my own with my father. Um, mm-hmm. we're both weird together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Have you found any I, crumple horn together? I, you know, he owns a landscape company and I'm always like, keep your eyes peeled, man, because they're out there. <laughs> 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 but I, uh. I yeah I live and breathe Ravenclaw, um, and I'm fortunate enough that my fiance is also a Ravenclaw. <laughs> oh, perfect! <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Let's uh, let's kind of dive into your story. I really love hearing about how people first got into Potter, and I know that that really deals a lot with what you wanted to share with everybody today. So let's go back a little bit before you first read Potter and kind of talk to us about what it was like for you growing up.
1: For sure. Um, So I was actually born uh, a month early. Um, I was supposed Mm -hmm. to be born in October. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, um, the pregnancy just kind of, you know, got out of control. And so I think my mom was in the hospital, yeah, for about a month. Um, Mm -hmm. And they finally were like, all right, we're gonna, you know, have the baby. And, um, pretty immediately, there were some, um, I guess, issues, like my lungs weren't super developed and uh, stuff like that. And so, you know, I had asthma, which I feel like a lot of kids do. Um, and so we lived in California and they have something called year-round school. And so you like go okay. f- for six weeks and then um, you get two weeks off. And so there's not really like a summer gap. Um and so, you know, right off the bat, I was not a fan of reading or math. Like, I call it math dyslexia. Like I just see numbers. Even to this day, I see numbers backwards. And like mm-hmm. um, you know, I can look at, you know, a number like 5467 and all the numbers are jumbled. Um and so when we moved to Texas, they had no clue where to put me because I was kind of in between second and third grade. And so the decision was made to put me in third grade. Well, I like could not read. And, um, I remember sitting and them talking about, uh, you know, she needs to be put in basically special education. And, you know, as a kid, you don't really understand what that means. I just knew I got to leave class, you know, (laughs) (laughs) so you know that was pretty rough um and you know neither one of my siblings had you know these issues my mom you know as I got older would talk to me about you know she was not very good at math or um reading but I was struggling I didn't want to read because I had just been told consistently I wasn't good at it I couldn't do it um And then you have those standardized reading tests that are just ridiculous. And uh, if you remember AR, that was just a joke. Yes. (laughs) So, um, you know, it was super hard. I couldn't find anything to really, you know, interest me even to start reading. You know, I would have like picture books about Halloween and those were great. Like, you know, those old I Spy books. Yeah. Oh, man, I still have a Halloween one. It's like my favorite thing. Um, I love those. But uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't until the almost end of third grade that um, I remember seeing a kid in my class reading I think it was Goblet of Fire. And I just remember sitting there like, that book is so big. How could you possibly, you know, be able to read that? And I just I had this horrible feeling that that was never going to happen for me you know even in third grade just thinking in that absolute of I'm never going to be able to read
0: wow that sounds uh, stressful and distressing to go through as a child um I'm really sorry that happened and I'm curious the people who were around you you know I know you said like you had these kind of authority figures like teachers saying, Oh, you're so far behind. Um, is that, did that, do you think that made the problem worse?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, um, I think when you're a kid and you have these people who you've been told are you, like you said, your authority figures and they're telling you that you're just not getting it. We don't know why you're not getting it. Um, I can remember in third grade, there was this Sunday and it was for you to learn your times table. So if you mastered your ones, you got a bowl, you mastered your twos, you got a banana and it went all the way up to your tens. And that was the cherry. And I never made it past the banana. And it was just like Mm -hmm. such a heartbreaking visual representation of how stuck I felt. I didn't know what to do. And, you know, kids aren't inherently, I guess raised with the ability to understand that you are not what you're measured against yeah and so I just I remember coming home crying because I didn't get to have an ice cream sundae I was the only kid in my class who didn't get one and I was just I was so beside myself and you know that's horrible horrible. you know because it it shouldn't you know have as an adult, I can sit and think, you know, well, you know, that was just one measurement. But you know, as a kid, that's hard. You just want to fit in. And there were a lot of ways I didn't. I mean, I was brand new to the school. Um, I've always been, you know, overweight. And that was, you know, something that I was super self conscious about, even as a kid. And Mm -hmm. it was just, it was a rough time, man. And I felt so alone, like no one else was going through this much adversity and um you know it was nice to have my sister around she's always been very um supportive she's more like a second mom and um when we moved she actually stayed behind in california so when she came back uh she had with her a copy of harry potter and the sorcerer's stone and that's kind of how that journey began
0: i bet that stuck like a glove once it started um You want to tell us about that? Yes.
1: So she, you know, it's pretty soon after, I think, that whole meltdown over the ice cream sundae. Because, like, ice cream is my favorite food. And that just sucked. But my my sister uh, sat me down one night. You know, she was, like, tucking me in. And she said, we're just going to read a chapter of this book. And I was like, oh, my gosh. This is the last thing I want to do. And I remember at the end of chapter one, like sitting there with such a smile on my face and just thinking like, oh my gosh, like one, Harry is hilarious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and two, I just, I want to know more. I want to know about this little boy who might be magic. Yeah. And so I remember begging like, please, 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 can we just read one more chapter? So she was like, fine. Uh and it just, it snowballed. It really did. I couldn't follow along unless, you know, she was reading it because I just, I couldn't see the words basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and she just, my sister's a great storyteller. So she really did it justice. And it was, it was something, you know, it was beyond reading a book. It was a really nice bonding, um, moment for us, you know, every night we would read together and, she would, you know, sometimes ask me questions about the story just to make sure I was, like, understanding and following along. And I really identified a lot with Harry, you know, feeling so just misplaced in his environment and these people being horrible to him. I mean, not that, you know, yeah. my family was horrible, but the school situation was just ridiculous. And right. and so once *Sorcerer Stone was done... Chamber of Secrets, you know, was obviously the next book. And I just remember the whole time, I could not get over how just amazing everyone was in that book. Like, I just thought it was so well done. And it just, that feeling just kept going as each book came out. Um, It shaped a lot of my life. And then going into um, Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, I don't, I really love the relationship between Harry and Sirius and I don't that's not one that's really reflected in my own life but for whatever reason there's just a deep part of I think my soul that identifies a lot with that uh, relationship I really really love it and um my heart goes out to him for sure about the whole situation (laughs) about that plays out (laughs)
0: Is there a particular Harry Sirius moment that sticks out to you?
1: Yeah. And you know what? It's actually in the last book Mm -hmm. um, when he's using the resurrection stone and he's talking to Sirius. I mean, my heart breaks every time. And I think as an adult, I lost uh, my grandmother, who I was very, very close to around like a few years prior to or actually it was after And now when I go back and I watch that, I just, you know, um, when they're talking about the ones who, uh, leave you basically never actually do leave you, Mm -hmm. you know, they're always with you. And that's something that I definitely believe. And I feel that, and I think, again, that's just amazing for kids to read because you don't know what people have gone through and if you don't know how to process grief that's a beautiful way to think about it that no matter what happens people are always going to be with you whether or not they're physically here and I think yeah that's yeah that's honestly my favorite and I think for me in that moment you see little Harry all over again that's Mm -hmm. like the most um childlike i think we see him in his adult years because he's so afraid and so vulnerable and i think that's something a lot of people can identify with
0: that's beautiful um so you're reading uh with your sister did she read you through all of sorcerer's stone all of sorcerer's
1: stone Mm -hmm. all of chamber of Secrets. And then my, I think my mom actually started reading Prisoner of Azkaban with me. And then I got to a point where like they would hand off the book and I would read maybe two pages one night. Then the next night I would read three pages. And so eventually I started, you know, slowly understanding and putting these things together so by the time I got to Goblet of Fire I was following along with Jim Dale who like really came through in the clinch I love Jim Dale's (laughs) recording so much
0: he's amazing
1: he's uh yeah he's great he's my go-to like road trip like Jim Dale all the way Mm. 100% Um, (laughs) right um so I just I started following along and it took me quite a while to get through it, but um, at the end of Goblet of Fire, I think I had finished it and like the summer was happening uh, for the school year. And by the time the fifth one came out, I think I finished it within like eight hours of getting it just by myself, no recording. Something just clicked over that summer. Um. And, you know, that was an interesting book to depart from the whole, I guess, system. Yeah. Because um, Harry's super angry. (laughs) And and, uh, it it was really interesting just reading that and kind of being in his head, processing all of these things that are going on. And again, going back to that theme of, feeling isolated from these people now that you super care about and and so when half blood prince came out i think i finished that in five hours i like stayed up midnight and just i powered through it for you that it
0: seems like such a huge journey to go from looking at you know watching someone else read goblet of fire and saying how can that you do that i can never do that to finishing half blood prince overnight in a matter of hours did that did that hit you when you were that age
1: you know it didn't um I think I was so wrapped up in the story I didn't I didn't even think about it but I will say when I decided to start going to school for nursing my sister is the one who said hey you should think about this and the first words out of my mouth were I'm not smart enough And I immediately was like flashed back to looking at Goblet of Fire saying, I'm not smart enough. And I thought, you know what? I I think it's really any theme of the Harry Potter books that every suffering, strife, horrible moment is temporary. Like Mm -hmm. if I could pick a theme, I think that would probably be the one that Harry Potter has hit home for me the most. And so... With nursing, I thought, this is temporary. You can figure it out. You are smart enough. Let's do this. And so, so far, I've been kicking butt and taking names. That's amazing.
0: (laughs) What's your relationship
1: with reading like now? Oh, my gosh. I read all the time. I have such a stack of books behind me, actually. Um... (laughs) (laughs) I wonder, as
0: you were learning to read with these books, how did did you notice your confidence shifting uh as the process was going with you learning to read did you start to feel differently about yourself
1: Absolutely um I remember I think it was at the end of maybe 8th grade we had to take those tests that were like you know what level of reading are you at mm-hmm. And I scored really high and I was super shocked Um, because at that point, you know, I was, I could read. Um, I was no longer in special ed for reading. I was still for math because I just, I cannot get it. Um,
0: There's no Harry Potter for math. So.
1: Right, right. Arithmancy sounds terrible, even if it's, you know, Hogwarts, (laughs) like I don't want to (laughs) go. But I, I did, I noticed a total confidence. It was empowering to be able you know to read a book and I feel like sometimes that may be taken for granted but it was such a big deal for me that I could pick something up open it and read it and you know that choice would have never been there had it not been for reading the books and so you know like I said about the nursing thing it was that same fear coming forward but instead of waiting for someone else to take control, I'm now an adult, so I can just do it myself and said, OK, let's do it. Let's see what happens, basically. And, um, you know, so I think that's still how, you know, Harry Potter, it may not be, you know, related, but it, it's definitely because of it. Still, mm-hmm. um, you know, that mentality, that that response of I can do it because look what I've done already.
0: Yeah. I'm wondering if there's anything in your adult life now that maybe stands out about the Potter books in a different way than when you were first reading as a kid.
1: Uh, Honestly, I think it's how I deal with grief. Mm -hmm. Um, In 2008, I lost my grandfather. And then in 2000. 11 or 12 I lost my grandmother and it was just kind of like a one-two punch it just felt so like are you kidding me like both of you and you know um, Harry Potter is you know there's a lot of grief
0: you know and it can
1: be grief over you know Harry loses a lot of his childhood very quickly and I think that that's something a lot of people can identify with there are situations out of your control that force you to grow up And you can either be super bitter about it, you can be angry or, you know, depressed, or you can, you know, you can do your best to rise above it. And I think that that's, you know, something that I definitely took away in my adult life is, yes, these people are gone. Yes, I'm very sad about it, but you have to keep going and you have to keep, you know, remembering these people for who they were, not as, you know, um, I guess we wish they still were if they were still here, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Like not holding on to the, um, the longing or the wanting in a negative sense. I mean, it's normal to miss people, but you don't want it to like control you. And I think, you know, when Harry loses Sirius, that was such a big deal. And I think that's what I mean by like, I identify so much with that relationship because while I don't, you know, necessarily have a godfather like that, Mm -hmm. my grandmother and I were very close and it felt like a second home. And so when she passed, you know, it was, it was, I can imagine, you know, the heartbreak that Harry must've felt in that moment. And, um, as an, as a kid, I remember reading it thinking, are you kidding me? Like, he just can't get a break. Like, what is the point of this? And then as an adult understanding, like, you know, this is just one of those things that happened. And, um, you know, you can't try and make sense of people passing because it'll just drive you nuts. It really will. Yeah. Um, That's a, that's really like the lesson of the
0: resurrection stone, um, which is just, it's so, you know, the, the lessons come across pretty straightforward in the books, but when they cross that barrier of the books into real life, it really, uh, it really shows how important these lessons that the hallows and you know the other things throughout the series are to um, so many of us and helping us learn these things and thank you very much for sharing that um i think we are coming on the end of our time here so i just want to know if there's anything else you'd like to share um, about yourself or about the potter books or anything we've talked about just if there's anything you'd like to finish off with
1: I just think uh, if I could impart a final bit of, um, I guess, wisdom. Um,
0: (laughs) You're Ravenclaw, so.
1: Well, right. (laughs) Um, You know, there is nothing shameful about being different. And there is no reason to feel alone because there is someone out there who's going through the same thing. And it may not be someone you know, and it you may find them in a book. And so just keep reading and finding these people along your literary journey, and you will find them in real life. Um, I've known Madison for a very long time, and <laughs> I think we have um, connected more as adults because we have very similar um experiences and I think Harry Potter helps us to sometimes ground and relate to each other and so um you know there are people out there and you just you never know so keep your eyes peeled
0: (laughs) I agree wholeheartedly (laughs) well
1: thank you so much for having me on here today
0: it was a pleasure Emily thank you so much for sharing your story and I look forward to talking to you soon All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Emily. Emily, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. We all have stories, but some are more difficult to tell than others. We want everyone to have a chance to share, especially those who don't want to share their names or their voices. In today's Whisper segment, we're sharing the story of an anonymous author who had a lot to learn from Severus Snape. Severus Snape was a terrible human being. I never wanted to be anything like him. I never thought that I would sympathize with him, but I came close. The very least, there was a tumultuous period in my life when I empathized with him. I knew how Snape must have felt about Lily because I felt the same way. I felt as uncomfortable as Harry did, sitting in Dumbledore's office and Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets and contemplating the similarities between Tom Riddle and himself. In Chamber of Secrets, Dumbledore tells Harry it's his choices that make him very different from Tom Riddle. In Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Harry realizes that the choice he makes to face Voldemort was the difference between being dragged into the arena to face a battle to the death and walking into the arena with your head held high. The right choices are often the most difficult, and this is how Harry Potter helped me make the right choice. I've struggled with social anxiety, and to a lesser extent, generalized anxiety for most of my life. Recently, I've been depressed. If it wasn't for Harry Potter, I don't know what I would do. I don't even know if I would be here today. The earliest memory I have of Harry Potter being used as a coping mechanism for my mental illness was in elementary school when I would sit and discuss Potter with my school counselor. As a result of my mental illness, I find it difficult to form connections and friendships with people. I can count the number of friends I've had in my life on two hands. I can probably count the number of close friends on one hand. I make Newt commander look like a social butterfly. Okay, maybe I'm exaggerating there, but seeing the way Eddie Redmayne portrayed Newt and Fantastic Beasts and where to find them felt incredibly fulfilling. Remarkably, when I was in high school, I met a girl who was very easy to talk to. She was my best friend, and I poured my soul into her like Ginny poured her soul into Tom Riddle's diary. It felt like she was one of the few people who understood me. Soon we started dating. We were in a relationship for almost nine years. She was the first and only girlfriend I've had in my life. She was there for most of my formative years, and we experienced a lot of milestones in our lives together. I hardly have any friends, but at the time... I overlooked that because I was content with my relationship. A couple of years ago, my world came crashing down when my now ex-girlfriend suddenly told me that she wanted to break up with me. She was very tactful, but that didn't ease the pain. I felt like I had been crucioed. To borrow a line from Dumbledore, did I know in my heart of hearts that our relationship was over? Deep down, I probably did. There had been a lot of tension in the months leading up to our breakup, but I was in denial. We both struggled with mental illness, and that was straining our relationship. I largely blamed myself for everything. I hated myself, and I hated being mentally ill. Several months after we broke up, I found out that my ex-girlfriend had met someone shortly before she ended our relationship. I was grateful, at the very least, that she chose to break up with me rather than cheat on me. That didn't make it hurt any less though through my self-hate guilt and blame there was a moment in harry potter in the deathly hallows that struck home for me it was this moment in the prince's tale snape took the page bearing lily's signature and her love and tucked it inside his robes then he ripped into the photograph he was also holding so that he kept the part from which lily laughed throwing the portion showing james and harry back onto the floor Snape's love for Lily was selfish and self-centered. He didn't care about Lily's happiness, didn't care about her husband or child. And I knew that I didn't want to be anything like Snape. Realizing that helped me move on. I had a choice to make. I could either continue to feel bitter, or I could make the choice to be happy for someone who had given me the happiest moments of my life. Don't get me wrong, it still hurts like hell. But when I was at my lowest point... My repulsion for Severus Snape taught me to be a better person. This has been episode two of Beyond the Veil. Thank you so much for listening and a big thank you to our guests for sharing their Potter stories with us. We couldn't do it without y'all. Now, if you listening have a Potter story that you'd like to share, we would absolutely love to have you join us as a guest on the show. There are two ways you can do that. So you can send us an email at beyondtheveilpod at gmail.com with your name and a short summary of the story you'd like to share. You can also visit our webpage at mugglenet.com. Look under the Mugglenet family tab for Beyond the Veil. There you can fill out a form with your name, email, and a summary of the story you'd like to share with us. Now, if you have an anonymous story you'd like to share as a whisper, please visit our website for instructions. We will have a direct link to our site in the show's notes. Please join us next week for another conversation in the headmaster's office. This has been Madison. Thanks for listening.